Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Hey, all right, we're going to get into the Word, and uh, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, We are in week seven of a series that we started six weeks ago, entitled Bewitched, The Good News Gone Bad. And uh, for those that are joining us today for the first time, let me catch you up to speed. Uh, We've been studying through the book of Galatians, and the book of Galatians is a short letter that the Apostle Paul writes to a young church that finds themselves in the middle of a bit of a theological crisis. And we get a picture into that crisis and a picture into why we called it Bewitched uh, with our key text here in Galatians chapter three, verses one through three, where it says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? For the meaning of Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? And as review for everyone that's uh, joining us today with the other church and the group that's in the room, I want to catch you up. The reason Paul sounds so frustrated frustrated, I almost said frustrated, why I sound so frustrated, why I sounded so frustrated in this text is because Paul had planted this church on the simplicity of the gospel of grace. Concisely put in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it is by grace that we have been saved through faith and not of ourselves. This is a gift from God, not of works, meaning not of your own effort, your own volition. Otherwise, we'd have a reason to boast. No, we are saved by his grace alone. As we've said consistently for the last six weeks, we were called by grace, we were saved by grace, and yes, we are still sustained by the grace of Jesus every single day. And that was the gospel that Paul preached and started this church out on, but Then this group of Jews came in, some anti-gospel propagators, and as he puts it, they began to pervert the gospel. They began to add some things to Jesus, add some things to the grace, and they began to suggest that you needed to live a certain way, follow some certain rules, and live by their standards and their laws in order to truly be accepted and sustained by Christ. So Paul comes in and he corrects this wrong thinking and aggressively, as we see in his letter, and he reminds the church, guys, you did nothing to be saved. You did not earn your salvation. You did not live good enough for Jesus to accept you one day. And finally, when your good outweighed your bad, then you were allowed into the kingdom. No, it was the the sacrifice of Jesus on that cross, the simple fact that he resurrected from the dead. And when you put your faith in that and that alone, you are saved. That's the simple gospel of grace. And we've talked about that gospel at length for the last six weeks. Uh, Most notably and most recently, my wife preached an amazing message last week about how we are to respond to the gospel of grace as we go all in. And uh, if you are not here, let me strongly suggest you go back and you take a listen or take a watch to that sermon. Uh, I received text messages all week long telling me how much better she is than me, so thanks for that, appreciate it. And while we're at it, let me just take a moment and acknowledge the fact that I have been dethroned as the king of props, okay? I, guys, there was a bathtub up here, there was a Ken doll, there was an empty bottle of 12-year scotch, I don't know how it got empty, Uh, there was all kinds of stuff up here. And so I just wanna take a moment and publicly acknowledge we have a new queen in the house, I bow down, I'm not worthy. I don't even have any props today, I couldn't compete. I'm like, I'm gonna let some time pass so there's no comparison between the two of you guys. 
So we've been talking about that grace for six weeks. And today uh, we're going to finish up chapter three, which she started last week. And uh, we're actually gonna explore a concept that shows up for the first time in our text today, but will follow us for the remainder of the book. And that is the subject of inheritance, inheritance. Um, and before we get into this text, I, I wanna take a moment, I'd like to pray over the word. Um, and I wanna pray something very specific. Um, this concept that we're going to discuss today is massive. It's a concept that absolutely transformed my life. As I was studying this week, I was brought back to the moment where I heard this taught for the first time. I was 24 years old. I was sitting in an auditorium in Seattle, Washington at a business leaders conference right near the back of the room. And I was just eyes glued, ears tuned to the late great Pastor Wendell Smith as he shared this concept and unpacked this thought. And I remember just ferociously taking notes and I could not stop because it was like this part of the Bible was coming alive to me for the first time. I finally understood what Paul was saying here in Galatians chapter three. And as I've been praying for our community this week, as we step into this concept, I've been praying that you would have the same kind of a moment that I had at 24 years old that maybe you've read this portion of scripture before, maybe you've heard this concept before, but something would ignite in your heart as you hear this today and your faith would latch on to the promises we're going to be talking about. Because I believe if the, if the church has ears to hear what the spirit would say to it today, that your life, your prayers, your future will be transformed, your perspective will be transformed as we look at this concept. So could you do me a favor? Would you just lift your hands towards heaven for a moment? And I wanna pray that the Holy Spirit would open up our hearts to receive today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that by the silliness of preaching, truth can make its way into our hearts and our minds, our, our thoughts, our, our futures can be transformed. And as we get into this, this ancient covenant that you made with your people, I pray that we would receive it by faith. God, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you wanna to speak to us today. We open our hearts up to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, you can do better than that. Say amen, amen, amen. All right, Galatians chapter three, verses six through nine, and then we're gonna conclude with verse 29. It says this, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. For the record, that's all of us, that's all of y'all, we all the Gentiles. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. And then this last sentence, which is where we're gonna spend most of our time. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing. Everyone say same blessing the same blessing that Abraham received because of his faith. That is a massive promise in scripture. That is a significant promise that God has made to us. According to Paul, our faith allows us access to the same blessing that God made to Abraham. Simply put, what Paul is saying here is that belief unlocks blessing. Belief unlocks blessing. So to that end, let me give you a title for our chat today. Uh, and rather than tell it to you, I'd like to sing the title to you. Miguel, are you ready for this? So uh, go ahead and pump up the music and I'm, we're gonna go ahead and sing the title together. Come on, if you know the lyrics, just sing it out. Smell a wine, sweet perfume. No, no. Take out your phone, maybe a little lighter in here. On and on, stranger. Okay, cut it. 
Cut it. Everyone, uh, not of the chorus. Ready? One, two, three. Don't stop. Da -da -da. To the feeling street lights. Oh, no, you don't know the next part. Everyone always knows the first part of the verse. <laughs> hey, let's go. All right. I am shocked I have not preached a message with this title yet, but today we're calling it Don't Stop Believing. All right? Don't Stop Believing. If you remember nothing else from the sermon today, you will remember that moment right there. You will, that song will haunt you for the rest of the day. Don't Stop Believing. And uh, speaking of songs that haunt you, uh, let, me, uh, let me just check. Are there any people in the room today that grew up maybe going to kids' church or Sunday school, and even now as a grown person, you still are haunted by some of the songs that you sang in kids' church? You still remember all the lyrics to them? Okay, let's see if we all went to the same Sunday school class. Um, how about this one? Anyone ever sing this one? Have patience, have patience. Don't be in such a hurry when you get impatient. Remember, remember that God is patient too and think of all the times when others had to wait for you. Yeah, I hated that song. Um, I, I will literally be sitting in traffic and it's like this ghost from yesteryear comes in, in that moment. Have patience, have patience. Uh, how about this one? Um, I'm in the Lord's army. Yeah. I'm in the Lord's army, yeah. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly o'er the enemy, cause I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, <laughs> so dumb. That song is ridiculous. Can we just stop for a moment? Like, like every, we sing that song and I think about like real people that were in the real army, you know? <laughs> Like in the real, I think about my buddy Bryson right here, who's a Marine, okay? Thank you for your service, sir. Um, but imagine him sitting down with the recruiter. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't need to join. I'm in the Lord's army, so. It's like, okay, buddy. Uh, but then there is the fan favorite, and everybody sang this song. I don't remember, or I don't care what children's church you went to. This was the jam. Everyone knew this one. It's a little song called Father Abraham, all right? Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Okay, so you did the right arm thing too. We stole it from the hokey pokey, and then you, Father Abraham, by the time you got done, your whole body was just kind of going with it, yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous song. In fact, I told my kids about it yesterday at the dinner table, and they're like, that song's stupid. And I'm like, thank God for our kids' church, you know, teaching them some real music, hallelujah. Weird song, but solid theology. As, as evidenced by our text today, our children's pastors of yesteryear, they knew what they were talking about. That is a solid theological statement. I am a child of Abraham's, and so are you, and that should cause us to praise God. Why? Because there are some promises that God made to Abraham that are now accessible by us, and that should be massive cause for celebration. We should celebrate the fact that we have access to the same blessings. As, as Paul begins to uh, correct the Galatian church here in Galatians chapter 3, he is, in a sense, singing this song to them. He's reminding them that they have access to these blessings. He's challenging the assertion of these Jewish anti-gospel propagators 
that, is, that are suggesting you have to live by a certain set of rules or be a certain way in order to access these covenant blessings that God made to his people, and instead reminding the people that it was not Abraham's obedience to a set of rules that gained him access to God's blessing. It was simply his faith. It was the faith of Abraham that allowed him to access God's blessings. But then he makes this massive statement and he says, if you have faith like Abe had faith, then you have access to the exact same blessings. Now that should cause us to ask two questions, two questions we're gonna unpack for the remainder of our time together. If we have access to these same blessings, then number one, what kind of blessings did God give Abraham? How did God bless him? And secondly, what was so significant about Abraham's faith? How did God bless Abraham and what was so significant about his faith? Because if I need faith to access his blessings, I need to know what kind of blessings we're talking about and I need to know what kind of faith I need to have in order to access those things. So, so let's start with the first one. How did God bless Abraham? Well, God came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 for the first time and then he made this covenant blessing and then in Genesis 13 and in Genesis 15, he began to expound on those covenant blessings and continued to tell Abraham how he was going to bless him. In Genesis 12, he says, I am going to bless you, Abraham, so that you can be a blessing. All of the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. And then furthermore, he says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Come on, that's a good promise right there. Next time someone tries to hate on you on social media, like, I'm sorry, you cursing me? God curses you. I'm blessed, hashtag blessed. <laughs> and then he comes in Genesis chapter 13, and he says, I'm going to give you some land as a permanent possession. You will not be a tenant constantly moving and never being able to settle. No, I'm gonna give you land as a permanent possession. And then in Genesis chapter 15, he continues with this blessing and he says, I will give you descendants that outnumber the stars in the sky. You will have more descendants than you can count, Abraham, and this is my promise to you. Blessed to be a blessing, a permanent inheritance, and a whole lot of descendants. Now, as we look at that text and we consider those promises, they might feel a bit grandiose, they might feel a bit ambiguous to us, so let me modernize them if I could, because again, these are our promises if we understand what we're talking about here. If I could modernize it, here's what I would say. When God said to Abraham, I will bless you to be a blessing, he is speaking of an abundant provision. He's saying, I will give you more than enough. I am going to take personal responsibility to provide for all of your needs. In fact, let me personalize it. God says to you, I am going to take personal responsibility for all of your needs. You will not have barely enough. You will not have just enough. The goal of God is to give you more than enough, more than enough resource, more than enough joy, more than enough freedom, more than enough healing, more than enough opportunity so that your cup runs over, not so that you can store up some more for yourself, but so that all the nations of the earth can be blessed through you. Translation, so that your life is a blessing to other people, so that your life isn't just a blessing to you, but your life pours out on to all of those that you come into contact with and you are blessing others through the abundance. Furthermore, he says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. I will protect this blessing. 
It is a protected blessing. When the enemy comes against you and tries to steal, kill, and destroy, I love that that was in the baptism testimonies today, everything that God has given to you, it's not him coming against you any longer, he's coming against me, because in the same way I took personal responsibility to bless you, I'm gonna take personal responsibility to protect that blessing. So it's not just promised provision, it is protected provision. But then he goes on to say, I will give you land as a permanent possession, land as a permanent possession. This speaks to stability. It speaks to deep roots. It it speaks to a settler, not somebody who is constantly moving, incapable of staying in one place long enough to produce anything significant because their roots don't have time to go down deep, but people who are settled people who are stable. Let me just take a moment and preach on this if I could. I think we live in a society that has forgotten the blessing of settling. We we live in a world where people romanticize and they praise this nomadic, gypsy-like, wandering existence, never staying somewhere long enough to produce any kind of real lasting fruit. People that are looking for the next opportunity or the next place or the next relationship, never truly learning the blessing of being settled. And that has only been exacerbated over the last year and a half as COVID has ruined everything for a lot of folks. And now everybody's looking for more opportunity where they don't truly have to commit to anything. I don't have to commit to going into an office. I don't have to commit to living in a certain place. I don't have to commit to a certain company. I can go wherever I wanna go and I can do whatever I wanna do. No one wants to commit to anything anymore. They don't wanna commit to a job, a relationship, a city, a church. I see you in here. I know you came from other churches in our city. People wanna date this one this week and then that one the next week, attend this one this week and that one the next week and never truly get rooted, never truly commit, never put down any roots. And then we tell ourselves that that's what the blessed life looks like. A life of wandering around and I can do whatever I wanna do and I can afford to travel wherever I wanna travel and I never have to commit anywhere. Hey, let's be careful about what we're calling a blessing. Search the scriptures, here's what you'll find. Wandering has never been associated with blessing. Anytime people wander and they can't plant themselves somewhere, that's actually the curse of God and not the blessing of God. Cain was, he was banished to the land of aimless wandering. The Israelites wandered through the desert for 40 years. Isaiah 53, all of us like sheep have wandered off to our own ways. So may we be careful that we don't call something God calls cursed a blessing. (laughs) No, the true blessing is being able to settle. It comes along with the Abrahamic blessing to put down roots long enough to produce some fruit. And then the third version in Genesis chapter 15, God comes to Abraham and he says, I'm going to give you descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. This speaks to legacy. A life that outlives you. A life that matters beyond your short existence here on planet earth, a life that makes a difference for eternity. People will remember what you invested in far beyond your grave. And I know that we got a lot of 20 year olds and some 30 year olds at this church and legacy is probably not on your radar right now, 
But ask some people in their 40s. Ask some people in their 50s and 60s. Ask Abraham when he was in his 70s when God made this promise to him. There is something deep within the heart of man that longs to make a difference beyond our days here on earth that longs to make a difference and an impact that isn't limited to our 80 or 90 years while we're here on planet earth, but something that makes a difference for eternity. As it says in Ecclesiastes, eternity is bound up in the heart of man. There is something inside each one of us that longs to make that kind of a difference. And God is saying to Abraham, that is not a carnal desire. That is not your ego or your pride that wants to make a difference. That's something I placed in your heart. And part of the blessing that I am giving to my people is that you will live a life that outlives you. You will live a life that makes a difference for eternity. Protected provision deep roots, a life of legacy. This is the Abrahamic covenant blessing that God gives to his people. This is not some kind of like name it and claim it, blab it and grab it kind of prosperity theology. Like, okay, I'm just going to be blessed. No, this is a covenant promise that God made to his children. He says, when you put your faith in Christ as sons and daughters of God, you now have access to this covenant blessing. But I would imagine that there are many of us here who hear what I'm saying, but are not experiencing what I'm saying. You hear about protected provision, but it doesn't feel like you're provided for, nor does it feel like it's protected. You hear of the blessing of settling, but you feel unsettled. You hear of legacy and you wonder, if my life really making a difference or is it leaving the legacy, at least the legacy that I want to leave? Probably not. There might be a bit of a disparity between those two, which honestly should make you ask why. If this is a promise from God and he doesn't lie, why are you not experiencing that? Well, I have a hypothesis. According to this scripture, as is the case with all of God's promises, there is a caveat. There, there is an end of the bargain that you have to keep up, a condition to this promise. All of God's promises are conditional. They start out with, if you do this, then I will do this. And God is only obligated to do his side if we do our part. So what is the condition to this promise? Well, very simply put, Paul says it's faith. Faith, Hebrews 11 kind of faith. The confidence that what I hope for will actually happen. The assurance that the things I don't see are actually a greater reality than the things I do see. The step out onto the waters in the middle of a storm because Jesus said so kind of faith. The walk into a lion's den or walk into a fire and refuse to bow down to a wicked king because I believe that my God will rescue me. But even if he doesn't, I am still going to obey what he told me to do kind of faith. Accessing those blessings take faith. If you're taking notes, write this down. To access Abraham's blessings, we must possess Abraham's faith. To access Abraham's blessings, we must possess Abraham's faith. Which brings us to the second question we need to answer. What kind of faith did Abraham have? What was so significant about his faith? 
Well, come back to that last promise in Genesis chapter 15. He says to Abraham, I will give you descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Now, that's an interesting promise considering the context in which it was made. When God spoke that promise to Abraham, and some of you know this, but uh, I'm gonna jog everyone's memory for the story here in, in Genesis. When God promised that to Abraham, he did not have a single descendant to speak of. He had no kids. And it wasn't for lack of trying. Him and his wife had attempted to, but they didn't have babies. It wasn't like he was in his 20s and 30s. He's just working on his career for a little while before he had some babies, you know. They, they desired children, but they just didn't have any. And when God comes to Abraham and says, I'm gonna give you descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, he was at the ripe young age of 75. <laughs> I don't mean this to be offensive if there's anyone in their 70s here, but that's probably not a good time to start considering whether or not you're going to start a family. <laughs> Those are traditionally not the baby-making years in our lives, all right? And as you can imagine, when God comes to Abraham and says, hey, I'm gonna give you descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, um, Abe's wondering how this is gonna happen. He's like, yo, God, um, I don't even know if like everything still works that way. Like Sarah's old. I haven't thought about her like that in a little while. So what's the deal? <laughs> what do you want me to do? And God says, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Sarah and say, one, you're like a dream come true. Two, only wanna be with you. <laughs> no. He said, I want you to go to Sarah. I want you to tell her what I promised. He's like, but God, and, and Lord looks at me and says, just trust me, just believe. And so Abraham believed. And he went to Sarah and he shared what God had spoken to him. And these two senior citizens went about procreation. <laughs> Lights the candles. Turns on the boys to men's CD. <laughs> and they enjoy each other's company. For a year, for two years, for five years, for 10 years. Now we're in our mid 80s. The wax is melted on the dresser. The CD is skipping. <laughs> it's been played so many times. Ah, Mac, ah, Mac, ah, Mac. <laughs> no babies. 24 years pass. And Abraham and Sarah still don't have a single descendant, much less descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was contending for a promise for 24 years, as the possibility of that promise continued to get more and more unlikely, chances are I would lose some faith. Chances are I would stop hoping. To quote the song, chances are I would stop believing. But not Abraham. Not Abraham. 24 years and Abraham's faith remained steadfast. 24 years and he never stopped believing. 
In fact, the Apostle Paul gives us a bit of a, a glimpse into the kind of faith Abraham carried through this entire season in Romans 4 where he says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have, and Abraham's faith didn't weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. He never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Yeah, I did that too when I read that. I'm like, yeah, go Abraham. But this is crazy faith. This kind of faith makes no logical sense. Put that scripture back up on the screen for a minute because I think sometimes we read these scriptures and we're like, oh, underline, highlight, lipstick, Instagram, verse of the day. Oh, this is amazing. But can we just stop and consider the gravity of what we just read for a moment? Like, he, he never wavered? Really? Never wavered. 24 years. All those trips to Walgreens, getting pregnancy tests, every single one of them negative, never wavered. Never. His faith only grew stronger the longer that he waited. What? Even though he was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb, wouldn't recommend using that one on your wife, but it, it, it grew stronger the longer he waited. Are we, what kind of faith are we talking about here? And before we start applauding his faith, let us remember that it is this kind of faith God is mandating we have if we're going to have any kind of access to Abraham's blessings. The kind of faith that grows stronger while we wait for the promise to come to pass. The kind of faith that doesn't waver even though we still haven't seen an answer yet. That consistent, unwavering, steadfast kind of faith. How in the world are we expected to have that kind of faith? That's insane. Well, Paul gives us yet again another clue as to how we are to possess this kind of faith. Here's what it says in Galatians chapter three, verse 29. So all who put their faith in Christ, this is back to our main text, share the same blessing that Abraham received because of his faith. All who put their faith in Christ. All who put their faith in Christ. Now, pardon me while I become pedantic here for a moment. And this is gonna sound like splitting hairs and it might feel like an oversimplification, but this is absolutely crucial if we are going to have the same kind of faith that Abraham had, as opposed to faith that wavers depending on our circumstance. Here, if you could, if you could condense, distill Abraham's faith down into a statement, here's the kind of faith Abraham had. Abraham's faith was in someone, not in something. I, I know, it's a simple statement, and it might sound like splitting hairs, but Abraham's faith was in someone, not in something. The reason that his faith was able to go stronger the longer that he waited, the reason that his faith never wavered is because his faith was not in the outcome of a promise, it was in the person who made the promise to him. It was not in a specific blessing, it was in the one who promised he would bless him. It was not in the outcome, it was in the source of the outcome. 
Now, I can tell that that might feel a little bit confusing or a little bit silly, but so, so let, me, let me paint a picture here and, and try, to, try to make this accessible for all of us. Um, how many people here are fans of the show The Office? The Office? Office fans? Okay. For those that don't watch the show or are not a fan, uh, let me paint a picture for you so that we're all on the same page. Um, in season six, episode 12, uh, we learn that the manager, Michael Scott of Dunder Mifflin Paper Company in Scranton, Pennsylvania, uh, made a promise, a commitment to some third graders that he would pay for their college if they finished out high school and graduated. And he called this foundation that he created Scott's Tots, Scott's Tots. So Michael tells all these third graders, I'm gonna pay for your education, kind of forgets about it. A decade passes and all of a sudden, all of these students are ready to collect on this promise that Michael made to them. So they call the office and seven or eight times he turns them down until eventually Aaron, the assistant says, hey, we kind of got to go. So they go over to this school where Michael now has to confess to all of these students that his $45,000 a year salary is insufficient to pay for all of their college education. But when he gets there, I mean, they've got this massive celebration planned and people are singing songs and doing dances and like, hey, Mr. Scott, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Make our dreams come true. Hey, you know, and they got this whole chant and everyone's pumped. And then Michael stands up and he looks out at the class and he begins to confess to everybody that unfortunately he does not have the financial wherewithal to follow through on this promise he made to a bunch of third graders 10 years ago. But as a consolation prize, he instead offers them lithium ion batteries for the laptops that they're going to need as they make their way into college. <laughs> now what's the moral of the story? The source was bad, and so the promise was unfulfilled. There was no reason anybody should put their faith in Michael Scott because he had no business making that promise. When the source is bad, it doesn't matter how good the promise sounds, it will remain unfulfilled. But let's change the source for a moment. What if it isn't Scott's tots, but it's Bezos buddies, Cuban's cubs, Gates mates? I can keep going. Zuckerberg's, nah, <laughs> Zuck's Bucks, hey, let's go. What if the source changes? Suddenly the promise takes on an entirely new meaning. Why? Because the source is capable of carrying out the promise. If the source is good, then you can bank on the fulfillment of the promise. So if having Abraham's faith seems like an impossibility to us, perhaps it isn't because we have a promise problem, but because we have a source problem. We have placed our faith in the wrong source. Let me remind all of us today, your employer is not your source. Your spouse is not your source. Your doctor is not your source. Your counselor is not your source. Your 401k is not your source. Your wealth is not your source. There is only one source that was worth anchoring our lives in and his name is Jesus Christ because he and only he is capable of fulfilling his promises. So listen up, Abraham. I know it might look like the promise is as good as dead, but you serve a God that can actually bring dead things back to life. I know it might look like you're in the middle of a storm, but you serve the God who looks at the waves and looks at the winds and commands them with a word to be still. 
His voice, it says in Psalms chapter 29, it thunders above the waters. It twists the mighty oaks. It splits the cedars. One word from God and you can bank on the fact that his promise will come to pass. He is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he cannot tell the truth. If he said it, he will perform it because he is God. That is who he is. The source is good for the promise. If the source is good, then the promise is good. I'm out of time. (laughs) So let me ask this. As the band comes and we conclude, let me do that thing I do every single time I preach that annoys all of you, but I do it every every time anyway. I'm going to ask you that question that I want you to wrestle with based on everything that we just discussed and force you to come face to face with the fact that maybe this is not your experience right now. So so here's the question in light of the text, in light of the the title. What have you stopped believing? In light of promised provision, in light of deep roots, in light of a lasting legacy, what have you stopped believing? Has time proven to be an enemy instead of a catalyst to build your faith all the more? Has the idea of God's provision, of joy, of freedom, of resource, of opportunity, has that slipped away and you've begun to doubt whether or not you're a candidate for his provision? Has the idea of a lasting legacy evaded you? Because as you look at your life right now, you think there's no way that my life is making an impact on others. I can barely hang on to it myself. What have you stopped believing? As I, as I prayed this week and I considered this text, I just, I, I tried time and time again to get myself back to that space, sitting in an auditorium in Seattle where I heard this for the first time. And, and I just began to stir my faith again, remind myself, this is not just some cute idea in scripture. This is a promise from God. It is, it is promised that we will live in this. And I started making some declarations. Father, I thank you that our church is gonna be blessed to be a blessing. I thank you that the community of the Father's house is going to be a community of abundance, that we will have more than enough so that we can allow our abundance to spill out onto the lives of other people. God, I thank you that we're gonna have more than enough freedom. We're gonna have more than enough resource. We're gonna have more than enough opportunity so that we can open doors and bless other people. And that blessing is not gonna be taken out by the enemy who doesn't like to see what's happening in our community. No, it is a protected promise. It is protected provision. God, I thank you that there's gonna be people that are added to this house that are gonna be putting down roots here in the city. They will not be transient in nature, tenants all the time and never owning anything, but God, they're gonna be settled here until they see Isaiah 62 come to pass, until they see the reputation of a city changed because the godly exists there. God, I thank you that this will be a community that has a legacy that it will outlive us, that our children's children will still walk in the fullness of what you're doing starting now in this community. I just begin to make some declarations over our church because that is our inheritance. That is your inheritance. That is my inheritance. And if you doubt that, then let that annoying little prophetic song from Kids Church ring loud and clear in your ears. Father Abraham had many kids and you are one of them. And so am I. So we can't stop believing. We can't stop believing because there is a blessing on the other side of that belief.
Let me pray this over you today as we conclude every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I thank you today for your church. God, I thank you that we don't need to provide for ourselves. We don't need to secure our own legacy. We don't need to constantly wander to find the next opportunity. But God, you've, you've made it clear that the same blessings you gave to Abraham, you gave to us. So right now I pray for an identity shift. Anyone here, God, who doubts whether or not there's a, a blessing for them, a promise for them, you said it right there in the scripture. If you put your faith in Christ, you have the same blessing by faith that God gave to Abraham. We receive that today. May we walk in it today. And as every head is bowed and every eye closed, I wanna take a moment and invite some people who may not have stepped into this family yet to take advantage of this moment. As the scripture said, if you have placed your faith in Christ, then you become a candidate for this blessing. Maybe you're here today and you have not yet placed your faith in Christ. Maybe you've been at a distance and you've been walking apart from him for a season. Today, it's time to come into the family or come back into the family of God so that you can walk in the fullness of all we're talking about today. And if that's you, I wanna pray a very simple prayer with you before we conclude. But before I do that, I always like seeing who I'm praying with. Today, if you're far from God and you know you need to make a decision to come close to him before you leave this room, would you quickly slip up a hand? No one's looking around. I just wanna know who I'm praying with. Thank you, I got you right there. Got you right there, sis. Got you right there in the back. Got you right there. Yeah, I got you right there. Come on, lots of people saying yes to Jesus. All right, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. You can repeat this right there in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. And uh, as you make this decision, it's, it's, it's an invitation into the family of God. So Jesus, today I give you my life. I thank you for giving yours for mine. I choose to follow you. I wanna be one of your kids. I wanna walk in your ways. I believe you are who you say you are. I confess my sin and I receive forgiveness. Help me to follow you from this day forward, to be your disciple and to walk in your ways until that moment I see you in heaven, you look me in the eyes and you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that is set before you. You have all of me today. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we just thank God for every one of those making a decision? Come on, you can do a little better than that. Hey. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.